Hello and welcome to the Xenothesis podcast. In this episode, episode 56, we're covering chapters 5 and 6 from part 1, Metamorphosis, of book 3, Imago, of the Xenogenesis trilogy by Octavia E. Butler. My name is Richard Acton, and I am your host, uh, my co-host. Hi everyone, Michael Glinka here. Actually, it's quite interesting because we're on episode 56 and we're covering chapters 5 and 6. Oh yeah, didn't spot that. What's the statistical, you know, uh, probability that this would have happened? Um, Come um, on, Richard, calculate it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Although I, I, I feel like there's some way I can squeeze, is it Bentham's law into this? Uh, okay. The like the the um, frequency with which numbers appear and you know, like smaller numbers appear more frequently. But, oh yeah, things, yeah. Because, yeah. They, they use it to catch people who are cooking the books because the if you make up random numbers, they uh, are unlikely to follow uh, Bentham's law exactly in in, in a way that uh, uh-huh. uh, real accounting data is more likely to. So uh, okay, okay. I no, see. Pro criminal tip. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, on that care, on that note, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, shall we go to my chapter five prediction? Because I feel like yeah. these chapters are getting really funky and interesting. So let's jump right into it. Yeah. That's, uh, so what, what were you predicting for chapter five? Um, so as the metamorphosis was taking place for Jola, I was thinking that the more conscious he gets of himself and his abilities he is going to start making some you know mistakes uh you know when tasting things right like we, we've explored and like that could cause serious damage and what i meant by that is that you know things that he it is not capable of even realizing just you know like you know tasting something is only like really something like a big cancerous growth appears and stuff like that yeah yeah lots of um uh weirdness uh arising from him uh at least yeah. rather uh, uh touching and interacting with anything biological right it, yeah it, it, it's just sort of tweaking the way everything grows <laughs> no and that that seems to have been borne out right we see quite a lot of that in the chapter yeah 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 Although, were you um like how much of that were you expecting would be uh kind of him or it rather i'm gonna i keep calling keep calling i know it him, i'm sorry it was it, me it, who started i apologize it's, it's it's weird to call it it right because it's a it's a person <laughs> not yes. an object but yeah, yeah. Uh, it yeah um uh, which and, and we, we haven't had a protagonist which has that as a pronoun um, so far right but uh, yeah well okay. we had Nikanj, but it still was you know it's yeah like that's mm-hmm. one the one thing is causing calling someone it sounds rude because it's mm. you know it's not an object so yeah we don't yeah and, and yeah i suppose that's, uh, they might be um Perhaps more appropriate in some ways for the uh, <laughs> yeah for the um, the Uloi, uh, given that they are uh, you know, we have this kind of um, almost symbiotic community of, of things sort of the true the, they have this but then this again Oankali, the um, organelle <laughs> that yeah. seems to be an important part of who they are but then again the book yeah. does but does refer to them as it so it's just as it yeah yeah so that's why Which it gets is, confusing uh, here. I think a deliberate choice, right? I think it's. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, and it seems as though they have chosen it for themselves as well, right? Yeah, I it, think it, so. The, the, that seems to be what they they want the humans to use, which is interesting. 
But yeah, sorry, I uh, derailed your um, question. Uh, yes, what was I saying? <laughs> um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> okay, so I think I was asking um, how much of its uh, actions that sort of change the biology of things around it were you expecting it were expecting to be uh, like intentional, and how much were you expecting to be kind of accidental stuff? If if you had any expectations in that direction, I I didn't really didn't think of it, but I thought that you know like a kid that was given a new toy and then you immediately you know disassemble it because you want to know how it works type of thing. Mm -hmm. So in similar in here when you have the new ability and you like can sense things and go into like the in his in its case you know trying mm -hmm. to understand like all those genes and can sense them and suddenly you know by sensing and probing just the act of ob that observation and probing could have affected the normal signaling pathway and he, it possible that you know just by accident mostly by accident um mm. affecting yeah, those, a, those cells um, very much like the uh yeah, the, I like the analogy to the kid playing with a new toy, right? It disassembles the thing, but doesn't yet know how to put to, it back together yeah, again in exactly. a way that works. <laughs> yeah. So that, that yeah. I thought it was more, maybe like more like that when you suddenly like you know imagine you wake up one day and you can suddenly see an ultraviolet and infrared or infrared, right? That immediately mm. would put you off so much because suddenly things are not as the way they used to be and. It's like okay, trying to adjust, and then you're curious about how you know how does the light look, you know, or how, and you stare directly into the light and get yourself blinded. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I can see that being a uh, a problem, right? Yeah, <laughs> got to do the uh, the exploratory phase, uh, but um, yeah, that's potentially a little risky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So th that that type of sort of reaction to to things. So okay then. So yeah, I guess let's get to the chapter five summary. Um, sure. So the chapter begins with Jodas getting stronger in his abilities as time passed, which also meant more harm was done to his surroundings. Every day, Nikanj had to correct something Jodas did. So for example, turning the patch of law uh, that Jodas was lying on yellow or causing blisters to it or causing it to decay and start to die, dying and turn into goop. Um... So yeah, mm. when Jodas could finally stand up and move, um, it would collect dead wood and sleep on it to prevent any harm to Law. But Law then would eat the dead wood. Obviously, it was an entity and it was a bit too young, as they described the book, to um to, to reason with. But it was self-aware, and mm. this meant that if it would eat the non-it things, as they, you know, as such as dead wood, and it would prefer mm. the pain Jodas was causing instead of the unnatural itch of rejection. Yeah, this is a, an interesting kind of insight into uh, to Low as well, right? This yeah. whole little section here where we get a bit more about Low, <laughs> which no, you, you kind of forget because it's a, a background character, I suppose, of this environment, right? Yeah, but you wouldn't the, even think of it whole... as a character. It's more of like, you know, it's a ship, right? You yeah. of an object, it's but it's a living object. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, the whole like place in which they're living is uh, in a... a, a conscious aware being if if not yeah know, like a super smart one yet but uh so yeah this also raises a question about kachtak right that the, the, the mm -hmm. mothership um because the size of it the age of it it must have developed some sort of consciousness of so right because mm -hmm. it says like you know in the book it's like it will take a while before it re um, develops reasons so and becomes mm -hmm. a cell you know uh i can identify itself so i bet that you know, the mothership has 
already, you know, probably thousands of years, uh, you know, old, if not more. Mm -hmm. So it has to have some sort of consciousness type of thing. I mean, based on the, you know, let's say it has self-awareness and that you can reason with it, uh, it seems pretty, <laughs> it yeah. seems pretty likely, yeah. And, you know, we've had that, um, the, um, uh, when, um, uh, when they went up to the ship before, there was, it was, I think, was it Nikan? No, it was, um. Akin? Yeah, it was Akin and, uh, who was the, the adult, Baron Kali, who went with them? Dichan. Um, Dishan, ah, yeah, yeah. So Dishan, um, uh, he showed uh, Akin that like slice of the perception of the ships, right? And you know, oh, yeah, the um, uh, like the the parental interest in low and so on. The, so the, like they clearly have a a, a reasonably rich inner life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, is, absolutely. Yeah, I completely forgot about the, the the fact that you can the, the Dishan showed that um, they can look into the mothership and then what it perceives and then mm. get lost in it because it's such a vast consciousness that mm. um and all of those like different sensory yeah i, f I forgot about that that happened interesting yeah. and it's kind of um it's very analogous to our kind of computing technologies in mm -hmm. some ways right and it's not you know we don't yet have um uh conscious systems as far as we know mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there was a google engineer the other week that claimed differently yeah <laughs> got fired immediately but hey yeah <laughs> um but the uh, uh you know we have all these kind of like low level ubiquitous computing devices that are just sort of doing things in the background uh the same way they have these kind of less sophisticated biological organisms doing kind of background tasks and all the way up to you know big um, and it, like it, Im, Im, embedded control systems that have fairly smart central control over them uh, mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. like big supercomputing clusters and stuff. Yeah, the way that you might have with a, a network of stuff to control a ship. So yeah, uh, it's kind of a, a a parallel biological version of our computing technology, which is yeah, a, an interesting perspective on it because they're all. Uh, you know, like individual sentient and ent reproducing entities, which is quite different from the way our electronics work. <laughs> so the question is then, what are the shuttles to them, right? Like, are they just part of the consciousness and, you know, um, you know, like the shuttles going to the Mars or going from the Earth to um, the mothership type of thing? Was, wasn't the shuttle the male morph and the big ships were the female morph of the ship species? <laughs> God, I can't remember. Like honestly, I think that was it. Um, yeah, because I think it was like the the female ships are like you know huge um, when they mature, and the male ones are the shuttles. But basically, uh, there's just like an egg and a sperm cell. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice, Octavia. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's fair enough. Like it, it is interesting. I can't remember honestly. I will have to recheck again. But yeah, that's the case. Yeah, that's that, interesting. That, that's what I recall. I, I may be incorrect, but I think that was the case. <laughs> okay. We still don't know the proper link system, so that's that's the bummer. Um, but yeah, let's continue on. So Jodas gave up on trying to isolate isolate itself from law, but by then everyone, including it, you know, itself, knew that it was time to leave. People wanted it to go to the mothership because the ship was much more older, more resistant, and there would be a constant supervision of adult Uloi. 
Or the other option was exile on Earth, but for that Nikanj had to check if Jodas changed hasn't changed any of the microorganisms it came in contact with to ensure that there were no changes made. Right? And it found that there were none and insects stayed away from Onkali in general, so the Onkali permitted them to exile on Earth. Which is interesting, right? You would hmm. completely forget about like, oh, you know, there's this bacteria maybe on the surface of your body and then suddenly like you accidentally read it and modified it and then it became, you know, super, super uh, bacteria that's, uh, you know, is about to kill everything that exi- you know exists in existence. Yeah, I mean, this feels like a, a little bit of a, um, uh, like a, a convenience, right, <laughs> to, to write around this problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, uh, like, yeah, if... Uh, uh, if it was like editing all of the the microorganisms of its microbiome when they were going off and becoming plagues or whatever, that would be <laughs> very would, difficult to yeah uh, to pull off yeah uh, to ride around yeah. yeah. So yeah, so they started preparing for the journey somewhere else. Lilith and Tinora prepped as much as they could for it. Jealous was watching Lilith, thinking that he could um touch no one including his family in a while also Lilith um, noticed that Joda had a growth on his hand and it tried to resolve it twice now and it came back each time in their conversation we are told that it didn't cause any pain but just felt wrong um, Jodas was the cause of it he caused it and it didn't but it didn't understand how um, at the time Lilith attracted a bit from uh, because the Uloi smell was bothering her but she still insisted on how she you know how could she help Jodas so Jodha said, just help me pack, you know, it belonged to this world, not the ship where his family can't follow, so wanted to stay. So that's interesting, like, having mm-hmm. a growth that doesn't go away, like, you would think that, you know, if you reab- reabsorb it, or, you know, even if you have the tissue to fall off, and it, you know, it should mm-hmm. be gone, I mean, but... I assume it must be, like, a, a kind of... Um cancer-like situation right where there's yeah. some, some stem cells in there that he's not quite weeded out that are exactly re- recapitulating the growth of this little yeah. tumorous thing that's exactly what i thought yeah. as well i mean it, it, i suppose it's as good as happening um like externally i mean oh yeah <laughs> you don't want that just going on in, like in the middle of your liver or something <laughs> that yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so yeah Although so, the Awankali mm-hmm. in general seem a lot more like robust to weird stuff going on inside their bodies that whole yeah. thing with the way they give birth without having like a birth canal it's this <laughs> yeah told you just pop up you know a hole in the side of a body oh there's a baby there you go ciao hmm. <laughs> but so yeah Jodas then left and went around law to say his goodbyes it couldn't touch them and it was hard to say not no to the touch but because it would could hurt them and everywhere it went, and Uloi would look at them with a mixture of suspicion, hope, fear, and need. If Jada didn't learn self-control, when would it be possible for those Uloi to have children? And the chapter closes here with Jada's meeting with an Uloi named Tekorax. We've met it, uh, I think, in the second book. Um, uh, yes, I believe so. Um, when Akin I... was young and was like introducing, sort of celebrating. Or maybe what, mm. when Tino came to the village... The one of the twins, I think, Tekorax kids, the twins, girls, I think, they, uh, they were yeah, um, yeah. eyeing Tino, hmm. if I remember hmm. correctly, whose humans were c- close with Tino and Lilith. Um, and the Uloi also confirmed that Jodas should have gone to the ship because of the uncertainty, but also because the resistors out there on Earth will, uh, who will not go to Mars and who are dangerous, but also 
um, because Jodas will not be able to stop itself from touching them. Tekrax asked Jodas how hungry it was for touch and seeing how bad it was, it allowed Jodas to touch it. It was only two days or so for Jodas without any physical touch and it yet felt like years. Uloi needed that contact and Tekra said that Jodas needs to spend more time with their paired sibling. Um, Jodas was scared that it would hurt air though. And as the final goodbye, Jodas asked Tekras about what they did learn about Jodas through the touch. And it answered that it wasn't sure if Jodas can learn the control. It couldn't tell. But also because it developed similar crusty tumor in its right hand. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a worrying sign. Yeah, it warned Jodas that it should ask Nikanshita for help, but it itself will be fine and solve it on their own. Um, as the final goodbye, then called one sensory arm and touched the sensory spot on Jodas' face, sending a sweet shock of pleasure, and then leaving. And that's where the chapter ends. Mm, yeah, so it's uh, it seems the there's a lot of um, uh, weight uh, placed on on uh, on Jodas here. Uh, yeah, uh, the the all the Uloi are very invested in in uh, it doing well. Yeah, uh, exactly. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But um, yeah, invested, but also concerned that uh, it might not go well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that's the thing. Like you know, it's a first Uloi construct, and we all know that they were all like super scared of males, and now uh, mm. and Uloi's was another completely different thing because can it control what it does? Right, the, the, its abilities. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I guess let's go to my chapter six predictions. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the little tumor on Jodas' hands was probably something way more dangerous than we all expected. Uh, so I thought that the, this chapter would address that, and but also it, this chapter would simultaneously have the sort of things going on of their with the family um, preparing to leave law, right? Like the, the preparations mm -hmm. and all those, you know, related things, you know, they'll be described in this chapter. Okay. Hmm. Um, well, I don't think the tumor has yet proved more dangerous than I. It's uh, only just I think briefly mentioned somewhere, but like in yeah. a line. But that's it. That was it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the preparations to leave low were uh, uh, definitely kind of a bulk of this chapter. I think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's get to it then. Let chapter six summary. Um, Mm -hmm. So obviously, the family decided to leave. Not that they, not that they have much choice. Um, the mm -hmm. total among uh, people was 11. Five parents, Ayer and Jodas, and then four new siblings we are told about, youngest siblings, Oni and mm -hmm. Hoz, and Ayodele and Yidik. Is that how you pronounce them, uh, Richard? I suspect it's Ayodele. Uh, Ayodele, okay. Because the E is usually pronounced at the end in, in those kind of uh, I, i'm guessing that's also yoruba i don't know um, okay but uh yeah uh, other than that yeah uh, that would be my guess <laughs> only hoz iodele and yedik yedik okay um, that's fine yeah awesome so they were all in their pre-metamorphosal pre state so it was obvious for them not wanting to leave their family so the chapter begins with the family heading to one of the one of lilith's garden the location of the said garden changed every few years to let the forest reclaim the land and regenerate it, but also because law was slowly encroaching over it. But what he found was the garden was completely destroyed. The resistors would raid occasionally, but mostly would take some crops knowing that these gardens are not on Kali-based. 
Lilith never seemed to mind, but this time they didn't steal anything but completely ruin everything. Things were broken or crashed. It was sad side and sad and painful sight for Lilith. The family went ahead to try scavenge everything while Lilith was watching with Tino trying to console her. He told her that she will not she'll have more of these gardens he realized and he realized that it was the same one that they met. It was so long ago they you know they had so many kids and perhaps not enough, Tino joked. You know, <laughs> Lilith laughed and touched Tino's hair, and it seems that the only place they could touch was the hair because it was dead tissue anyway. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, interesting to see you know, Tino having a, 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 a like whole bunch of kids that he was never expecting, right? Because you know, growing up as a resistor, that was not on the table for them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now they've been uh, rather productive in that regard. It seems. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Oh uh, yeah, mm. Mm. quite productive. It, I'd uh, say. It uh, reminds us of a time scale as well here, right? Because I think it's been it's been like a century. Yes. That, uh, that uh, Lilith has been tending these gardens here on Earth, so we see more of the time the, flow, uh, yeah, extended life uh, yeah. spans, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the uh, the Orancali. So um, it seems that this has been this story has started way way after the you know Akin's return from Phoenix, right? Because if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. um, when Akin was both born, that was like around thirty years after the first book, right? Uh, I think yeah, roughly that. And then we had. Akin born, then 20 years of him, you know, then three years of him in Phoenix, then 20, you know, another like around mm. 19, 20 years um, growing up, and then, you know, the story of the book two. So that's around 50 so years since the, you know, Lilith came from the ship to, to Earth. Mm. And now we have another jump of 50 so, yes, to 100. Probably on the- Maybe forty, fifty, another year, another forty, fifty years yeah. total. I suppose would be yeah. the uh, yeah to, to get us over a century. <laughs> wow, honestly, crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sounds. I think it was they having a uh, a pair of children roughly once every ten years. Uh, I think so. Yeah, that time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So probably like twenty or so by now. Oh God! <laughs> wow, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, here's a bit of a um, card from the book. As much as I loved my garden, she said, I never raised them for just for myself uh, or for us. I wanted the resistors to take what they needed. Hmm. Yeah, this is, a, a, I think, an, an interesting thing that we may see with the resistors in in this book, right? And we get kind of the beginning of it here in that like the, the more moderate resistors, the ones that were more... Um, willing to perhaps compromise a little bit or, or extend some minor trust to the Orancali to get them to, to Mars. Yeah. Uh will have gone to Mars. Yes. Right? So the ones left here through a process of uh, evaporative cooling, as it were, are the um the more hardcore uh, yeah. of the resistors, the the least likely to be interested in engaging in and uh, productively with the Orancali. Yeah. Most mistrustful. So these are the probably the more dangerous ones that are willing just to have nothing um, left to mm, uh, a you bit know, more of a nothing stopping them from vibe. yeah yeah mm. so yeah um, Lilith made these gardens so that people would take saplings for themselves so they wouldn't starve and yet here they were broken 
most if not all resisted New Lilith and treated her as number one traitor of the humanity, when in truth, young Lilith didn't know what it meant and did her best to survive when she was on Onkali um, ship. And, you know, she didn't know what she's signing for, to be honest, what needed to be done of her. And they didn't have Mars available at the time for the humans to live in. So both Lilith and Tino did their best to survive. First of all, and the Mars colonies, in a way, was freed some guilt from them, but they it never f- left fully. Hmm. But yeah, it seems like it had a pretty big uh, impact on them as kind of a, a relief, as it were, that uh, you know some uh, you know, someone got out. Right? It seems as though uh, I think it mentioned that like Lilith was still kind of you know looking for an angle. Um, yeah. All, all the way up till the the Mars colony was founded to to, to maybe get away uh, in some fat form or other, which um, that sounds like Lilith, right? Yeah, <laughs> not going to be playing the long game, um, but uh, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's a a, a big uh, uh, a big sort of psychological impact on on both her and and Tino. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, Akeen did good. <laughs> So yeah, as they were talking, I just told one of the kids, Oni, to go back to law and tell what happened to the garden. But Lilith stopped the child and asked the Chan instead. Even though the humans were long gone, for Lilith, Lilith's peace of mind, the Chan agreed and went to send a message to law. Law would pass the message to the several next people and then stop storing the message away for it to be called out if requested by anyone. Only Onkali could read them. Humans were not sensitive enough for them. This is interesting. So it would be like, hmm. you know, um, automatic... Secretary would be like, yeah, the guy, Lo, Lo, uh, Lilith's garden was destroyed to any Onkali that, you know, sends any sort of message. But after that, yeah, stopping it's it. like, uh, you get like a little notification pop up if you happen to be one of the, like, <laughs> you know, 10 first people who interact with some. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some, uh, some low interfaces. Right? <laughs> God, yeah. And interesting mm-hmm. is probably it will save the message somewhere in its. DNA and then like 3,000 years later or more some overly yeah, curious on Kali would just like hmm I wonder what this was supposed to be and then you know like oh this is Lilith the first of the humans that you know uh, ancestors of the you know humanity mixed with on Kali type of thing and it's just like huh yep. written to a log file somewhere yeah or like, uh... so, or like they would print it out on the on the wall or something be like yeah this is the first you know Lilith message or something type of thing <laughs> <laughs> big fun, big fun, yeah. you know. Merchandise with oh. Lilith. <laughs> yeah, if he was like digging through the archive to do some reconstruction of the history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, interesting. That's uh and and with with this sort of information density you can get from from DNA, right? Maybe they can afford to just keep everything in archive more or less yeah. indefinitely. <laughs> oh my god, honestly, like can you imagine being like this just trying to scour through all of these archives and just like yep you have we have thousands of years of you know uh of information here good luck have fun yeah was like everyone's text messages forever <laughs> <laughs> oh god no please no <laughs> yeah I don't, they didn't seem to have much by way of like uh encryption or anything like that Honestly, <laughs> it's uh, pretty like, open yeah anyone can go back and read the stuff the embarrassing mm. stuff of your, you know, teenage lives. It's like, yeah, mm, yeah. I feel mm. the level of embarrassment I've haven't felt in a long time. Please, somebody bury me right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a, the other challenge there is just like 
organizing all that information, right? Because just keeping it stored is, is is one thing, but oh yeah, we've talked about so that, that. It's accessible. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. The the, mm. the archival system has to be seamless for this type of thing. <laughs> the best yeah, library on the like, on in the whole universe. What's their metadata model? God damn it! I oh, wow. know how they're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, going back. So the child went to their parent sibling house and they connected to wordlessly communicate. Joseph watched them feeling lonely. He looked for Aero, who was actually carefully observing them. It was obvious that Aero did not want to contact, even though Tekrax told you they needed it. But Aero broke the eye contact. As the child joined back, Lilith mentioned that they will probably meet people like those who destroyed the garden they came they came from. And to everyone's surprise, the Kanj mentioned that she has her machete. And here's this uh, excerpt from the book. It could have not gotten more attention if it had screamed. I focused on it to the exclusion of everything. Felt pulled around to face it. Onkali did not suggest violence. Humans said violence was against Onkali's beliefs. Actually, it was against their flesh and bone, against every cell of them. Humans were used to violence because of the hierarchical life, but Onkali were born from the acquisitive life, cherishing all the life and even thinking about its destruction was like killing themselves. Even if Onkali were put in the position that they had to kill in self-defense, they would never recover properly because it would like be the part of them killing, uh, you know, they would kill part of themselves. Everyone was so surprised, but Nikaj continued, continued. They were going to on a journey away from everyone, so there would be no protection. They need to be ready because the resistors were ready to kill. Jodas was horrified. It didn't want anyone to die. It was supposed to be a journey to save life. Nikanj tells it though that they will do anything to protect the aggressors, but if worse comes to worse, here's a book excerpt from the book. Jodas' siblings and other parents began to focus away from it. It had never said such things before. Jodas started it and saw what they had missed. It almost making itself sick with this sick with this talk. It would never it would have been happier to uh, it would have been happier holding its hand in fire Mm. yeah it's interesting we get kind of a a more um internal look at the non-violent attitude of the oankali right it's been like we said in the some of the earlier episodes that we we've been kind of transitioning from a a more human to a more oankali perspective uh, on like the the internal narratives that we see as we move through yes. the series, and now we're getting more of the internals of the um, you know w- what the Oankali feel about violence. Like we've seen them do violence to some degree in the first book, the you know, the little sort of scuffle at the yeah. end with the humans, but uh, not really uh, confronted what that's like for them internally. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting uh, kind of juxtaposition that they're placed in right because they have this sort of very pacifist non-violent attitude like baked into their biology almost yeah and yet they're still kind of the like the aggressors and the antagonists in in our scenario as the the human perspective yeah absolutely (laughs) because of the the situation that human civilization found itself in uh when the oankali showed up uh and their um, I mean, to be fair, it's understandable it's because sort of technical superiority. Yeah, because uh, it makes yeah. sense because you know at that point humanity was at its lowest, right after the war, and mm. and suddenly it's like, oh hi, we are here to you know to liberate you type of thing, and it's just like, yep, mm. colonialism yep. in its finest. <laughs> 
Yep, that's uh, yeah. So it's a, a really bad time for humanity to get uh, colonized <laughs> because uh, yeah, we weren't exactly doing great uh, at a in the you know, capacity to potentially uh, you know, negotiate from a slightly better position. But uh, yeah, but um, you know, maybe we would have got our uh, our Mars uh, equivalent sooner uh, had we not um, nuked ourselves into oblivion prior to uh, yeah. the Oankali showing up. But uh, yeah, now now they end up in a situation where, despite this kind of like respect for life, in fact, it's almost they're they're like the the value they place on life is so high that they're like discounting some of the amount of suffering that they're causing in the thing they're keeping alive. Right? Mm. <laughs> uh, they're more worried about keeping it alive than necessarily keeping it um, happy about being alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you know like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Nikanj continue. Nikanj continued with instructions to everyone: stick to pairs, don't leave each other. One feeds the other, observe surroundings. If they sense humans, hide. If they can't run, um, scream. And if they can't fight, if they want uh, uh, fight, and if they want to hurt them, kill. Nikanj will then try to rescue them if this by happen sting them. Um, but if they stay in group, those things shouldn't be necessary. At the end of the day, Onkali were hard to kill, and their human parents were um, also modified to be more resistant. But the main danger was being in main danger was in being overwhelmed and abducted. Once we were taken away from the family, anything could be done to us. Perhaps Onion House would be only adopted for a time by humans who were desperate for children. The rest of us looked too much like adult humans or adult Onkali. Those who looked female would be raped. Those who looked male would be killed. The humans would have all the time they need to beat, cut, and shoot us until we died, unless we killed them. Man, it's dark, but Nikanj really has some point in here. Yeah, that's um, not that's a, a pretty stark-sounding description of the encounters. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I wonder if they're speaking from some kind of experience here. This feels like pretty specific, right? Does, I mean, has this happened to some other group of Onkali? I don't know, but probably not the Onkali uh, boys. But we know what happened to, the, for example, Phoenix Village, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Like you know, we know that humans, even though when at the end where we instead of standing, you know, standing united, we should be standing united. We still fuck each other up. So. It's book shows it clearly, right? You know, we are not capable mm. of um, uni- unifying ourselves. Uh, well, it depends on the circumstances, right? I think the, the, the particular circumstances in which this group found themselves was not particularly good. But if you look at um, like a lot of um, disaster aftermath scenarios, humans are pretty good at, you know. Well, yes, majority will do it, obviously. In, yes. Yeah. But like obviously there were villages formed and so that you know shows cooperation. But in my opinion, mm-hmm. things like this should have been done. Like every human that you know survived instead of like traveling every anywhere. Like we all should have stuck together and then tried to redevelop you know a city straight away instead of like small villages separate from each other, type of thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean that's part partly the way the the Oan Kali kind of ended up engineering it. Right? It was uh, yeah. Uh, they separated out the different kind of language communities because I, I, I'm not sure really. I mean, I think they were just sort of, it, it looks as though they were kind of trying to mirror their own structure in the way that they yeah. um, 
I think it was tried the, to get yeah. the human set up, but it did yeah didn't quite work like that, and all the whole like prohibiting um, human style technology and stuff also. Mm. Uh, well, not not like strongly enforcing that, but not not in any way helping the humans recover their previous technological approach, yeah. uh, which they could have done had they been interested in doing that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, Nikon focused briefly on Lilith and Tinon. It knew they would not kill p- other people, but also knew it not uh, did not need to say anything to them. At the end, um, it focused on Jodas and called Aeor. Although Jodas objected, Aeor came close. She said she wasn't sure why she was avoiding Jodas because she doesn't want to. The Kanji tells them he understands why, but isn't sure if it can help them. Because an Oloi never had a paired sibling. They need to stop running away and figure this out because it is the first time ever an Oloi had a paired sibling. They need to figure this out. Aeor asked uh, Nikanj to, to be the bridge between them and they both uh, felt the loneliness from each other. They didn't want the separation. Then Aeor separated and went close to Jodas directly to touch it. His underarms were the sensory arms would grow and they started to itch. If Jodas had them, it would not keep them off Aeor. <clears throat> yeah, Jodas. We knew our, um, from the beginning that you are uh, quite a um, <laughs> horny boy, but oof. It's your sister. <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama song has not been playing yet. Come on, calm down. Uh, although, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, that, that's actually a bit more applicable, right, in this particular scenario than normally for the Owen Kali, because the Uloi normally go and separate with family. a different yes. group, right? They yeah. have an actual out, they have, they have a different out group. Um, so that's the, uh, yeah. So even <laughs> a, though, for example, bit... um, you know, like the f- uh, the f- male and female can be siblings, right? Like, for example, Chitaya mm-hmm. and whoever else. Um, uh, his uh, his uh, wife, I can't remember her name, were um, siblings, as well as Dichan and yeah, Agjas yeah. were siblings. Hmm. But the Uloi was always a stranger, right? Yes, yeah, that, that's the pattern, right? They they leave the, the kinship group and go to another one. That's how they get their genetic diversity sorted out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the, the paired sibling is a an oddity here uh, yes yeah. although they they seem un um unperturbed by it uh, other than it's you know new <laughs> absolutely no. mm. so yeah um uh, the family has started to move past the gardens and follow tino's lead he knew a place a place he used as a campsite before away from any settlement the place was a big island a place very similar to though to what they all experienced as a training ground long time ago back on the ship with lilith they remember it and didn't like it, but headed there because of Jodas. So this was an interesting hmm. p- uh, passage because the coincidence, the fact that the Islander heading was exactly like the one that Lilith was hmm. used, you know, was on to train on the ship, is just. I mean, we I think we discussed it way back at the time. Like you know, these are the it was like an Oxbow Lake Island. Yes, um, where like. There's a lot of very similarly structured islands of oh, yeah. that kind yeah, yeah. in in rainforests, uh, river bends. So maybe it's just that it's just similarity of it or, is so um, you know massive that it basically yeah. reminds them of it's n- mm. not being the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I suppose they they could have explicitly modeled their jungle simulation on a specific location, and that could have been it. But 
Could be. Uh, it could be the fact that you know that they picked the Law Village location because um, because Law was one of the first villages to be created, right? So I assume maybe that the fact that there was this little island when they were scou- scouting the planet, they thought, oh, this is perfect in sort of the train, so we copy this, and you know that's that's what we you know that's what it was. And then like, oh, do you remember the Onkai were like, oh, how about the first village? Mm, do you remember the island we you know picked as the as example for training, there's this quite nice area around it. We could maybe make a first village there type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, you know. But yeah, it, you're right; sense. it could be just a coincidental, um, similar looking like island. Mm. But yeah, so the chapter ends with some uh, sometime in the afternoon. Ayer is starting to complain about itch under her arms, and by the time she reported to Inukan, she started to have swelling underneath them. Jodas had apparently caused Ayer's unsexed immature body to try to grow sensory arms. Instead, it was growing potentially dangerous tumors. Mm. Uh, whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Jodas apologized, but Nikanj told it to figure out how they did to it, uh, how they did it to avoid it in the future. But Jodas wasn't aware of doing anything. It was like a blind human trampling anything that was in front of it. And to add to the shame, Ayres said to it, learn as quickly as possible so that it can go back home, to which Jodas could not think of anything to say. And that's where the chapter ends. Mm. Yeah, so it feels like um, AO might be a bit of a um, uh, subject of experimentation. Yeah. <laughs> by uh, uh, by Jodas to try and uh, figure out um, what's going on here. Which, um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's um, not great for AO, but. I, uh, I feel, I have this feeling that Jodas, whenever, whatever he feels at the time, like, you know, like, you know, he's. You know, connected with air, and he's suddenly feeling horny, and just thinking about like if he if he had sensory arms, suddenly it'd be fantastic. And then maybe that sort of uh, thinking stimulated air, like cells in air's body, to start mm. developing. You know, that that's the that's the trigger type of thing. Um, yeah, I suppose it's like um, he has uh, unconscious as well as conscious control of a lot of the stuff, right? Mm. So he's the whatever um to whatever degree he's unconsciously thinking about or even like you know hormonally experiencing something yeah the the systems which control like this ability to manipulate other people's biology just start doing some stuff on autopilot and he needs to kind of get a get a a handle on when that might happen (laughs) happen so he can intercede yeah no you're absolutely absolutely right so uh, that's why i was thinking that this is what like what basically happened to this unconscious sort of like wanting and then suddenly like mm. uh, without even realizing and then you know but as you said this is quite an interesting um thing because in my prediction for chapter seven you no know, i i wasn't i didn't include this because i didn't think of it at the time but maybe you're right maybe air might be his sort of um part sibling maybe secret love type of thing that like uh and also his guinea pig <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Their the relationship could be um, complicated. Yeah, <laughs> as are all the relationships. <laughs> in, yeah, in, in this book, especially with your series, especially with your sibling. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's uh, yeah, there's there's always some there's always some uh, you know issues weirdness in basically yeah. every relationship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's, uh, Octavia seems to be very good at writing like 
problems strange, in your awkward relationships. Did, did she ever have? <laughs> does she have? And did she have any siblings herself? Do we know? Um, I forget. Uh, I I don't know. Because um, I mean, that sounds like you know, like her stories from like like from childhood, like you know, similar like not dealing, not being able to like Akin and um, Tikuchak, you know, like not being able to communicate well with all their like you know close siblings and whatever, and then something happened, and then type of thing. I don't know, um, but yeah, mm. I I just it, it is interesting. It's going to be interesting to see the re- uh, um, relationship. But yeah, I guess um, let's go to my chapter seven prediction. Um, yeah, there's just one other point yeah, I was going on. to raise at the end here, which is that um, we, we don't get a huge amount of context on sort of how much of, of what Jordas is going through here is like normal for a maturing uh, Uloi and how much of this is um, like completely new. I mean, the, most of the tumor stuff, I think, is probably new. Uh, because that's sort of you know related to the the human yeah. capacity to do that that the Oankali was so interested in, but the um, the kind of learning to control uh, their abilities thing seems mm-hmm. like something that the other Uloi may well also go through. But yeah, we don't so like we haven't got a lot of context from Nakanj about what what how much different. Uh, Jordas's experience. So of this is, is we definitely know like. that it, as you said, it can it it can sense more than the Onkali Uloys because we are told that you no, know, some of the factors that the Onkali couldn't manipulate before, it can do it, right? Mm. So cancer related because of a human, you know, in I mean, human stuff like that. I don't that. know if it's necessarily like sensory, but more manipulation capability, yeah. right? So maybe it's it's perception is is similar, but it's um. Cap- some of the things that it could change uh maybe new yeah so that's more, definitely more like, uh, bonus editing capacity rather yeah. than, than bonus perception capacity so that definitely is in there so that's you know so that's the reason why probably it can induce those tumors so readily it's because of the um being able to stimulate those whatever manipulate those signaling pathways right or mm-hmm. But yeah, that that I that think that was explicitly explained by Nikanj because Nikanj couldn't do certain things while Jodas just did them subconsciously. But what specifically happens, we don't know. We can just speculate mm. here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess you know my chapter seven predictions were they, they obviously will go to the island. Um, but the question is. Is there going to be danger from resistors? We obviously know Octavia Butler by now. When it's something is mentioned earlier in the book, like danger of from resistors, that danger will take place, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a Chekhov's gun thing going on there with that. <laughs> so we know that. The question then is then it's just a question of when the payoff is. Yeah, <laughs> and then the other thing is the danger from Jodas, like you know, it trying to learn, but it's not doing that great type of thing i don't know um hmm. could be that something i you know knowing life's octavia is going to be like yeah there's resistance attacking and joda saw that no manipulated someone that gave them i don't know super super spreading cancer that literally is gonna kill them within a few minutes and now you need to fix it while protecting them while they're fixing something those lines like i just know something <laughs> along those lines is gonna happen because she likes to throw <laughs> Curveballs simultaneously. Okay. 
right yeah so uh, something will go down and and multiple things will hit the fan simultaneously because (laughs) one thing is not just not enough you need to like give you several several like problems so to ensure that you feel the dread and the, the stress in the situation it can't be just be like oh everything is lovely and flowers and rainbow no <laughs> yeah i suppose it makes for a more compelling read sometimes <laughs> but yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not, not exactly uh the most relaxing <laughs> for most of these exactly exactly <laughs> well then i guess that's it for today no uh, yeah, I think so. Well then, everyone, um, thank you very much for listening. We are a Xenothesis. Um, you can find all the places we upload on xenothesis.com. I was Michael Glinka. And I was Richard Acton. Goodbye. Goodbye.